From ThatShelf.com, this is Black Hole Films. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. What's a black hole film, you ask? Well, you know those films you always meant to get around to watching, but you never did for whatever reason? Well, that's what they are. And this podcast is all about embracing them and checking those films off our lists and talking about them and whatever else happens to come up. I'm Canadian filmmaker Jeremy Lalonde, and I will be your host. You can follow me on Twitter at LalondeJeremy, or check out my website, JeremyLalonde.com, for more information on me and my projects. If you like the show, please subscribe to it, rate, review it, and leave a comment on whatever platform it is you're listening. It really does make a difference in helping to get more ears tuning in. And if you like this show, check out the others on the ThatShelf.com family of podcasts. And without further delay, let's get into this week's film. This is episode 138, and today I'm joined by Stephen McCarthy, an actor best known for roles on shows like Mary Kills People, The Expanse, Crawford, The Strain, Copper, as well as Dev Singh, an editor who's worked on shows like Digstown, Little Dog, People of Earth, as well as some of my favorite indie movies like Picture Day. And he's actually editing the next upcoming soft film, the Chris Rock one. And last but not least, Norm Wilner from Now Magazine. He's a film critic and has his own podcast, Someone Else's Movie. And we're going to sit down and watch a film together. So we're sitting down to watch Nashville. I'm Jeremy. I've seen this film, but a long time ago. I'm Steve, and I have not seen this film. This is my biggest, stankiest black hole. Wow. Cool. Uh, I'm Norm. I have seen it three or four times, but not for at least ten years. It's been a while. I saw it maybe... <clears throat> I'm Dev. I saw it maybe... This morning. <laughs> ten years ago, and then two days ago. Yeah. <laughs> Dev wanted to be up. I had yeah. no idea. Black, Black Hole Virgin. Man. He was getting ready. <laughs> I, I will say, the only thing I did that was similar to Dev is I finally cracked open. I bought the Criterion like on a flash sale a while ago, but I was saving it for Steven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because uh, I've been asking for this one for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the only thing I did do in preparation was I read the, the booklet inside, like mm-hmm. the articles and, and whatnot. That weren't that helpful. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're not that, exactly plot. That was not one of the better uh, Criterion booklets I, I have read. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, going through them all. Because I realized I, I never I have all those discs, but it's like I don't necessarily dive sit into down them. and kind of yeah. the supplements, especially the books, because some mm-hmm. of them are great. Yeah, uh, but I hadn't. And some of them, some are better than others. Mm-hmm. Say that. Yeah. So so this movie I I cut out. I remember sitting at my desk in, in Sault Ste. Marie, cutting out a thing that said top ten movies of the seventies, American movies of the seventies, and I think I've watched every single one. Oh, nice. This is me at thirteen years old being like, I need to watch. Whatever Godfather and the conversation and so, and this is the only one on that list. So I, I I still remember that piece of paper with the top ten movies according to whatever magazine it was. So this is this is I've been waiting for this one since you first asked me about black holes. I mean, it's, it's just as well, right? Because I'm assuming Jeremy, you saw it the same way I did first, pan and scanned, and and just hideously. Yeah. On VHS. Yeah, like on VHS or on cable or something. And yeah. it, it, uh, that I, is no way to experience it. I have not seen the beautiful uh, version that we will be watching tonight. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, nice. Sure, Purdy. Yeah. So, and what, so you had this notion you're 13 years old. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're, I had it you're, pinned you're not to my wall. Yeah. How old are you now? I'm 42? Something so, like that. I lost track. So, how did those 29 years pass? <clears throat> 
You know what? I think because, actually, for what you're saying, I think it was one of those movies where I thought, I should wait to see this. I think I, because I, 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 like, did things, like, I, would, I watched Apocalypse Now on VHS mm-hmm. on a TV yeah. oh. probably smaller than your Mac. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, and I remember being like, what's all the fuss about? And then I saw Redo when, it, when, they, when they re-released it at the, at the Royal and went, oh, oh my fuck. God, I have no, obviously no conception of what I, you know, what I had missed. And then I realized it. So this was one of those ones where I thought I need to wait till it comes out on a big screen somewhere and the synchronicity just never hit. Yeah, oh, that makes sense. It was playing in rep and stuff like that. I think the first time I saw it, yeah, the only, the only time I've seen it properly theatrically was in uh, the blur maybe. Mm. And it looked like, I mean, it was scope, but it was an ancient print. It looked horrible. Right, and right. again, that's no way to see it. Like the the yeah. the Criterion restoration will presumably look better than it has anywhere else. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is funny when you do go back and you've. Like, I took my son um, Dean Country did a, a screening of Jurassic Park at TIFF a right. couple months back, and it was like they're doing it on thirty five. I'm like, how cool! TIFF's print of Jurassic Park is shit. <laughs> there is one real. You're that slagging everybody today. No, no, no. <laughs> yes. But that, no, they'll they'll be the first to admit it. Like, there's some stuff that's good. Like, it, yeah. you know, it starts up and it's it's kind of jaggedy and it's got yeah. the some the dirt on it. And I'm like, oh, this is fun, great. But then this you've all seen Jurassic uh-huh. Park. Yeah. The scene when the Raptors bust into the kitchen, uh-huh. like mid scene, it cuts over to a new reel uh-huh. and it is color timed very differently. <laughs> <laughs> whatever whatever reel they have in the middle there has not aged well. <laughs> that they, bridge. But it's clearly it's like oh they had to borrow this from a different print yeah. and like tack it on because whatever fucking version they had was worse than this. Yeah. That's when you realize the movie you're watching is 25 years old and it hasn't been reprinted. Right. Right? But also, things have been uh, in circulation. Yeah. And I also realized right. how well my son knows that movie because they cut out part of... Also, they must have lost part of a scene. Okay. Uh, like the like the war room scene when they're all right. sitting around doing the thing. Because yeah. my son turns to me, he's like, they cut out this and they cut out this. Like he's like listening yeah. to all the li- his favorite lines that he didn't get to see. He's pissed. He's like, this is bullshit. <laughs> Some of my money back. Who the <laughs> fuck do I talk to? Well, Dean Cundy's right there. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. Jimmy Dean. Do you have that footage in your pocket? <laughs> Can you splice it back into the movie? We'll wait. It's we'll fine. wait. We're right here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had a 70 millimeter print of the thing, I think, that had gone pink. But it was literally uh, yeah. the only one on the East Coast. And or maybe the only one in, that Universal had two years ago. Uh, uh, Ian McIntyre was mentioning it on, on Twitter a while back, and I was just like, "Oh my god, of course!" Hmm. It Amazing. just film ages, prints yeah. age. It's the one good thing about DCPs is that as yeah. long as the thing works, it'll as long as, long as someone oh, makes that hard drive spin every couple. Was, yeah. that, was that maybe exactly. your? I don't know. Like I'm wondering, like someone like your son seeing that, maybe that would be the first time they would actually understand that there mm. was a physical thing called. <laughs> film yeah. rolling well, through a thing had most, that had been carted around in a fucking yeah. suitcase yeah, like for years. Cases. Like, yeah, like he he understands in the abstract what what film is as like a physical thing and not just like a noun, right. you know. Uh, and so, but that was the first. That was the, definitely the first time he'd seen a print uh, and got to see because he's seen the Blu-ray yeah. a dozen times. Sure. So right. to see it like not clean and pristine, he was just like, "Oh, this is different." Yeah. And he kind of like really loved that. Yeah. But then it was really annoyed that it was imperfect. Yeah. That's funny. Uh, so what's your relationship with Nashville, Dev? Outside of just watching it. <laughs> Keep boning um, up on it two days before. Yeah. 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 Um, well, because we'll get further into, you know, after, obviously. Yeah, mostly like through the Altman thing, film school. I remember in film school we had to do a lot of um, uh, Antonioni. 
Yeah. So we're actually we would go at we would go by like shot by shot through Antonioni films at like eight o'clock in the morning at Ryerson, which was like Oof. crazy, uh, <laughs> but but glorious. And you'd sort of got I got opened up to all these other films, uh, and you know I'd seen Scorsese movies and Coppolas and things like that when I was a kid. Uh, and somehow Altman came up. Maybe it was like around Shortcuts or something. And I'd saw I'd seen that in the theater. Yeah. And then that tracked me back. And so then I heard about Nashville and went back and maybe watched it like in the mid two thousands or something. Yeah, that's like, probably yeah, when I saw Shortcuts and then The Player. I was yeah. like, I didn't know that movies like this existed. Yeah, in Hollywood, and then obviously they still really well. Do. Even Altman's <laughs> over that they, they they rarely exist. He's, yeah. He's, yeah, he's a very hit or miss. Oh yeah, kind oh of guy. yeah. He like, had one great movie every four years. Yeah. Well, the the player the and shortcuts are the anomaly because they're back to back. Yeah, right? they were in ninety two and ninety three. There's one mm-hmm. other time when it sort of happens in the seventies. Like Long Goodbye, maybe Long Yeah, Long Goodbye is just before Nashville. Oh, oh wow. Or okay. maybe it's just a movie. Is it McCabe, Long Goodbye, and Nashville? Because that could be... McCabe right. is 71. He also did MASH. This is 75. Yeah, MASH is 70. I thought MASH was... I thought it was MASH, Brewster, McLeod, McCabe. I could be wrong, though. Ma- McCabe is 71 for sure. This okay. is 75. And I feel like Long Goodbye is in between there. 73, I think. Mm-hmm. Do you know he directed an episode of Saturday Night Live? What? Mm, what? He's got one credit on Saturday Night Live sure? for an episode. I don't like know if he, short film he might have done a short film, but he has one credit in there that I thought was hilarious. <laughs> That's bizarre. Uh, well, MASH is what basically bought him like the goodwill to get away with a lot of Everything else. mediocre stuff in the middle. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. Mr. McLeod, right after. Yeah. No one talks oh, yeah, about Mr. McLeod. But that's it. Like he would do, like he really would go with whatever was ready. Mm-hmm. So well, if something came of, together, he would just jump on it and yeah. make it. And he did a lot of like plays that were not well. That was the eighties, the early eighties. He did like a run, Streamers, which is great. Secret Dave Honor and yeah. Secret Honor. The Secret, Secret Honor is the Nixon one, right? Yeah, that was the one he made with his film students. Like he was teaching a class. Oh, this that is, makes sense. Yeah, he was teaching a class, and he got his students to shoot a movie with him and they're, they're all credited it was all like it was part of this course the oh, I didn't know and that. that is Secret Honor it's a criterion too it's, yeah, it's, I, it's, it's in the library Phil, it's Phil, Phil Baker Hall playing Nixon at the very end basically yeah. just like in that hour and a half of him before he decides to uh, to resign to resign and just what was going through his head like it's like an imagined yeah. conversation he's having with I mean, it's, himself it's fantastic it's, it's a, a monologue mm-hmm. but it is one man sweating and, and breathing and humping the desk and everything it's just it's Philip Baker Hall as you want to see him like just <laughs> but now that I know it was a student film kind of it yeah. makes way more sense and I forgive it, it so much of the of, of the stuff that bothered me about it yeah it doesn't <laughs> look or feel like anything else he was doing at the time no now it's the best student film I've ever seen yeah but <laughs> It was also, like on Criterion, and you're like, wait a second, what was? But it also wasn't like the worst Altman film I'd ever seen because oh, it, no. it was at least interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, he didn't do a lot of conceptual stuff that way, like the idea of just hanging everything on one actor and playing it. No, mm-hmm. well, he did a. He was interesting because he was all over the place. Like, there's Three Women, which is just like a literally a fever dream. Another one no. I want to see. I haven't seen. It's yeah. I don't love Three Women, but it's is worth, that, like it's worth watching to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what I, thought I'm glad I watched it, but it, I never need to revisit that movie. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like. It takes its time, and it it just it's it's a bit labored, but it's also yeah, it's like the kind of movie that you'll get. Every, I think you'll get everything out of it the first time around, mm-hmm. and it, even though it is the kind of movie you could watch a dozen times and have like yeah. a million different interpretations, mm-hmm. 
I don't need to do that for yeah, I mean, it's his Bergman film, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's just his shot at that. Or that yeah. one, and what's the one about the wedding at the house? A a wedding. An American wedding? A wedding. Yeah, a wedding. A just wedding. a wedding. Which yeah. is another, like, massive ensemble piece. Yeah. I think, well, he'd already done it with MASH, but Nashville was sort of the one where he perfected the... Yeah, the ensemble. The long zoom ensemble thing, where yeah. you just, like, everything is happening all at once, all the time, and it's up to him to show us what to focus on from yeah. minute to minute. Mm-hmm. But that's just it, is that when, when people reference, say, Altman-esque, they're talking about ensemble pieces. Yeah. yeah. Did are, they like, talk about it in school did they after Antonioni did did was it just you discovering it or was it other yeah people? just sort of opening up to all these other things you know like but it wasn't was taught it? they didn't teach it they, we didn't hmm. we we studied shortcuts hmm. in oh, did film you? school For shortcuts we did mm-hmm. um, and Nashville we were, it was like one of those things was like you should watch it on your own but yeah. we, didn't, we didn't cover Nashville as well one of it was also like as I started kind of getting into editing it was. You know, you'd heard about the way he mics everybody. So there was sort of this technical aspect of just, like, how he managed to go through a scene. So I think that's kind of what got me into it, Mm. was, like, how does he run through a scene? Especially this one. Yeah, I was really into, like... Mm -hmm. It was interesting, because when I was watching it, um, there's a lot of uh, documentary filmmakers that I liked. So I just liked the vibe, this doc feel of it. I liked... I used to be really into um, uh, war photographers. Okay. Uh, and so that was also this doc thing. So I like messy frames. Uh, and I was thinking about this just recently. Like, oh, there's a reason why I think I was trying to figure out. I don't like pristine frames as much as I like, like, sort of dirty, caught frames. And so war photographers were, like, in the action. So you could tell they were just, like, trying to get this. And they get all these sort of weird shots and I collect these books from these guys. And so when I watch this type of filmmaking, uh, you know, the editing is a little bit more ragged. It's, 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 it's pristine, but not for perfect moments. Mm-hmm. So that all just that energy and that rolling energy kind of speaks to me. Mm. So these movies I get a lot out of because uh, I like to see, you know, the world. And one of this one, I mean, obviously I just saw it recently, but uh, it, it, it kind of blew me away in how it was this epic satire, almost, and then real intimate stories about 25 characters. I'm like, how do I care about 25 characters? I work on so many things where I'm like, we have 13 characters, yeah. I gotta figure out how to like make people care about each one of these. Mm-hmm. And this movie managed to do that. I mean, of course, it was three hours long, so like that helps too. But, <laughs> yeah, but he still, uses, he uses time though. Like, he, he uses time really. Oh, absolutely! Like how to transition between characters. You can see in it now, like just being an editor. I'm like, oh yeah. yeah. So that's why Lily Tomlin shines because you know she's got improvisational skills. So when she's just sitting there talking about the motorcycle and the people in the back and oh, there's people's injuries and you know at the hospital. And she's tying it into her character, and you're like, you are a pro. Mm-hmm. Like, that you can pull this off right here. You know the other person is just like, okay. Yeah, yeah you know, trying to keep up. But she's in character, meeting it, and then just, you know, hashing nice. out a scene. Yeah. Cleanly. And, you know, the other thing I like with the movie is just, like, sideline stuff. Like, oh, look at that dude. He's like a... Beer drinking dude with a shirt down to his navel beside a guy that's all like tightened up, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, like, 
70s. Love it. <laughs> yeah. And little, you know, at some point, somebody <laughs> just said, you sit over here. Just, yeah, yeah. Just call it. Like, you got to come over here. You're great. <laughs> just going to put you in a movie right now. Yeah. yeah. So we should start uh, that's with, interesting. Like, I think that that idea of like trusting the audience to sort of find their way through it. Is something well, that's kind of how we're, I mean, we don't spoil it too much because yeah. it's like basically it's like they're talking about like the laughing. Everyone's laughed yeah. because nobody knows when the camera's going to be on them in some yeah. scenes. Yeah, so that's you can. So everyone just had to kind of like stick in it, and uh, to, to, yeah, because there's a real doc vibe too. It's also mm-hmm. super smart because every time you cut to an audience, there's a cast member in there, so yeah. you're paying attention to the cast the whole time. It's never like. Oh, here you go. Here's like our obligatory shot of the crowd, and you're moving the extras around. Yeah, they matter. Background performers, but you know they're. It's oh that person's they're they're walking in here. Oh, you see them in the corner. Like there's one shot. It's insanity where you see Opal in the back whilst uh, they're doing the final scene. Okay, but don't say. Yeah, we just. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. We're gonna stop. All right, save it. It's like you can come back to it in two hours and forty minutes. It's right at the end, so I'm gonna I'm point that out. We'll pick it up right there. All right, we'll be right back. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. All right, and we're back. Woo, Dev, continue your story. What was my story? You were talking about Opal. You, you had something about a shot. Oh, yeah. So there's a shot at the Parthenon mm-hmm. when she's in the back and she's like recording. So you can see her hand like oh. up in the background. And I'm like, they just got everybody. You know? Because, like, everyone's everybody's on. like on all the time. Yeah, yeah I can't imagine so, the amount of. Fo- well, this is, I mean, we'll get into this, but it's yeah. like this. When, when I watch this, I feel like this is a movie that was more, like, found than created. Mm-hmm. You know? You, you, right. you just gotta think that it's, like, the amount of footage they must have been working with. Yeah. And also just... Uh, I think they, it was an outline more than a script they had to work off for of. Sure. Yeah, it was it like feels, a collage. Yeah, it feels like there's room in every scene for someone to just go off if they want to. Yeah. yeah. There's something... Because Joan... Or I, the, I don't know the whole story, but Joan Tewksbury was the one that wrote it. And so... I think Altman told her to go to Nashville and spend a little while there. And so the, apparently... Who's <laughs> Tewksbury? She's the writer. Oh, yeah, but... Uh, what else is she that a name that I should recognize? Her? Oh, no. I actually worked with... To the internet, Norm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's worked with Altman a million times, I think. Okay, okay. Yeah, so I think she's like an so Altman she was dispatched. crew. Just like Geraldine Page is an Altman but. regular. Um, so the car accident at the start actually happened, apparently. So that was like, oh, that happened to her when she just arrived or something. It was in the, in a car for like two hours. So that made it into the script. <laughs> he had a friend, I don't know who it was, but who wrote the whole Hal Walker stuff. So it's another person. And then, you know, as, as you, yeah. you could see, he gets all the actors and the non-actors to write their music, too, under Baskin or what, whichever, um, who's also a character in the film. Like, it's crazy how... It's interesting, because I was thinking about this today, that in how he pieced it all together, he had everybody do something functional. And a lot of times how uh, Hollywood kind of does it today is they get, oh, you're good at dialogue, so you do the dialogue. Oh, you're good at structure, you do the structure. But his thing wasn't that. It was all based in character and moments. Mm -hmm. And then building it out. Like, you could see it. 
And so it was, it was, um, I was thinking of something also about when I was talking about, um, photographers. And so this one like reminds me a ton of, uh, the Americans and Walker Evans stuff. Mm. Cause it's like, mm. oh, this is a big, uh, epic tale of America, but it's told through people. And kind of like Robert Frank's book, Americans, it just kind of, it's like a flag here, people here, a, um, you know, a funeral here, you know, just all of these places across the United States and a lot of it in the, in the belt. And this one's kind of like that, has that feel of just found photography, like you guys were saying. The other thing that's super interesting about this for me is that every cut to every scene is hard. There's mm-hmm. only one, yeah. like one memorable one for me of a pre-lap, which is with the strips, tees, and the, oh, the uh, carotene. Yeah. yeah, there's only, and that was like, I'm like, everything's hard cut, hard cut, hard cut. And it's like, that's great. Like, there's nothing smooth about it. Everything's rough. Everything's like a documentary. So it's really about, it's almost episodic. But a documentary would be more layered than this. Would totally. Be. I think so. Like I don't know, it I would like I was getting it, it. I mean, they were made. They were being shot at the same time. It came out a couple of years later. But I was thinking like Barbara Koppel, Harlan yeah, County, things totally. like that, mm. where you just you have loudspeakers going off. You have instructional yeah. stuff that you're supposed to just absorb and intuit and and figure out what it means on the fly because we're just dropped right in. Yeah, in every scene. So yeah, it just feels like the cameras constantly sweeping up things and throwing yeah. them at you. Yeah, yeah. but mm. but in a naturalistic sort of. I mean, it's obviously. It's stylized in the narrative and the way that everything is compressed and how, uh, you know, um, oh, uh, Barbara Harris's character goes from, you know, the ingenue hopeful to the complete disaster to the savior of the entire mm-hmm. country totally. mm-hmm. uh, over four days or whatever yeah. else is going on. And the, and the way that um, Shelley Duvall shows up and basically just sleeps around uh, and so does Keith Carradine at the same time. Like they're paralleling each other yep. mm-hmm. and they kind of intersect, but they don't really because of course they would and, they, and of course they wouldn't. And all these all these devices, all these narrative devices are happening in this incredibly realistic depiction. Like, I mean, Absolutely. now, 40 years later, 44, Jesus, uh, the, um, the clothes are ridiculous, but they wouldn't have been. In seventy five, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Like just yeah. and the way that Duval is in a different outfit every time with every yeah. guy. Different hair. Yeah, yeah. yeah like yeah. she's constantly yeah. actively changing and she goes from California, I don't know, go go girl to well, her name's LA Jane. LA yeah, Jones. She changed Jones, it. Yeah. She's changed it from Martha, I yeah. believe. Martha, yeah. Um, yeah. Just throwing herself she keeps reinventing herself based on who she's sleeping with. And Carradine has the opposite track, right? Like he doesn't care. He he devotes himself to the chase of, of Tomlin's character, but... And he's literally, the moment he's done with her, he's on the phone. Yeah, she hasn't yeah. even left yet. The he's on the phone. she says she's on her way oh, out. And, and we get to hear the phone conversation. And, and, yeah, he, and, does, and he doesn't care that she's hearing it. Yeah, but it yeah. pays off so, like, it doesn't, it's, it's, it's awful behavior, but it pays off so beautifully in that sequence where he sings a song and every woman in the room has a reason to believe it's her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's, does it pay, yeah, it sort of pays off before and then it takes yeah. it away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It sort it's, of goes, this is what this, this is what all the chase is moving towards. It's mm-hmm. this crystallization of like superstar song. And you know he's like, doing that on purpose so that every yeah. woman that thinks it's about them still oh, yeah. believes it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But then it's it's interesting that then they they sort of uh, it was sort of weirdly kind of like kind of coarse and jarring and harsh how almost 
how silly it was in a way that he's on the phone and we can hear the conversation but Lily Tomlin yeah. can't. Oh no, she hears it, yeah. She, well, she hears it but you don't, she she, knows. You don't, there's no kind of like understanding for us that she's like really affected by it. There's no moment of like, oh no. She's married. Yeah. yeah, she's she's kind of moving on out the door that's, it's kind of... But then um, the next yeah. beat her husband is walking home that poor girl yeah. Yeah. and then is also coming on to her in the doorstep yeah. and the stoop until that guy comes along. Yeah. Yeah. But that was—I kept thinking about this, like what Dev when, when before when we were talking before the movie, and I was like thinking because it, it at first I'm just sort of overwhelmed by the yeah, beauty let's get and your. the excitement of the story of like the of the feel of the colors of the like the texture. I was like, oh my god! And then 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 I started feeling my own impatience at like it's sort of because because like you said comedy or like a satire, and also you said something about like a comedy, and I was like. It is, it's weirdly shaped like a stupid, it's like a Marx Brothers movie. They're always in the same place. Yeah. All the characters kind of move from the, mm-hmm. the crash site to the first venue to the next thing. Yeah, they're the, all at the well, it's always there. All and it's, it's kind of like, it, it's, it's kind of constructed like a, a, a comedy with all these like, sort of like, you know, um, oh, like communicating a, doors of like, oh, yeah. there's this relationship, and then there's mm-hmm. this relationship, and then there's this silent hippie on the bike. You know, there's all these absurd kind of elements, and and it took me. I, I found myself getting impatient with like the construction of how kind of silly it was, and at the same time so realistic. And also, it just doesn't it doesn't give you any kind of anything to to kind of hang on to in terms of where is this going or what's going to happen or, or a framing gonna, device yeah like, and it's until the fucking end yeah and it's you're like oh. that um because now it's like we've got Christopher Guest filling in the time between Altman and now right with mm-hmm. where, the, where those are straight out you know satires and comedy right yeah, yeah. but yeah. it's like it's hard not to kind of like draw a line between that and this and what's interesting about this is like when I saw this in the ni- late 90s or early 2000s, it definitely felt more like a satire than it feels now, yeah. given where the world has yeah, gone. Yeah, now it just yeah. feels prescient. Yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, it's now, now it's become grounded again and real in a weird way where for a middle there, in its, you know, in its 20s of this movie's life... Mm-hmm. It was a satire for a while, and now it's not anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, what, like, it sort of predicts Reaganism, and then... It, loses that level of, of commentary because Reagan goes away, right? Like mm-hmm. when, 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 when Clinton comes when Clinton in becomes and, a right winger and the left is now uh, the right. And yeah, the, yeah, world, we're like, the world changes gears and, and all of a sudden Nashville, you can laugh at it a little bit because yeah, they don't know what's coming. And now it's, Oh no, we're living in it. That's like, this is absolutely. Yeah. yeah but there's the, there's the underground one, which is the assassination to be famous. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah, is like that that guy is trying to reach something that he can't reach. Mm. And so then kills fame in order to be famous. Right, yeah. So there's like that whole line. Way more current now yeah, than it used yeah. to be. And, but is that his motivation? Because he knows her. Like that's the really... Which, no, no, the one guy doesn't. The guy who kills her doesn't. He's, no he's shit! No, you're her, right. Yeah. I'm sorry. That was yeah. Scott Glenn's story. His story yeah, Scott Glenn. Yeah, who we think is who? every time I think it's going to be him, and I've seen oh, this movie. Totally, yeah. I know. But yeah. he's like he's the and this again a year before Taxi Driver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's Weird. the one we yeah. expect to go off because yeah. he's so the soldier coiled. Yeah, he's yeah. wired. Yeah. It's that's oh, right. time. See, Taxi though, yeah. Driver is such an interesting comparison because that is in a way, even though it's so. Um, 
it's it, it's such a straighter line than mm. this movie, even though it's oh, yeah. circuitous. It feels very loose. It kind yeah. of feels, but it's such a you know, it's it's sort of like it invites this sort of descent, empathy for the descent. Yeah, and Travis Bickle is a time bomb. Yeah, There's no question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you kind of know something not very good is going to happen to him. With this, it's almost like it felt to me because I, as I was trying to struggle to sort of stay with it at some points until kind of the cumulative power kind of kind of just took me away. Um, but for a while, I was like, is, is he kind of taking away the, the, the idea of a hero at all or the idea of a, of a question to the movie? Because the question is like, the America is in fucking tatters post mm-hmm. post assassinations mm-hmm. post sort of like well, Martin Luther King post Bobby. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. kind of it kind of is saying there's the, the only quest in the movie is the quest to be famous. Yeah. Uh, and and there's nobody to hang on to other than like the kind of like the person who you uh, I couldn't stand which is Geraldine oh, Geraldine Chaplin or yeah. Geraldine Page yeah. Chaplin Geraldine Chaplin yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean who yeah. you kind of like are like clawing your eyes yeah, out but she's a star fucker like she's always yeah. dropping oh. names yeah, I was yeah. thinking, like this time through I was thinking oh that's Tahani from The Good Place that's that's what <laughs> oh, Jamil yeah. Jamil is doing <laughs> that sort of casual name dropping and, and yeah. status pursuit but mm-hmm. uh, but with absolutely no self awareness yeah, yeah. I, I mean I see the movie as like uh, everyone's it's a quest for identity Everyone's everyone's right. going out there trying to become something that they aren't quite or that they used to be. You've even got the uh, Norm you'll know his name, but the uh, the older uh, country guy, who oh is Henry Gibson, Henry yeah. Gibson, who's yeah. just oh he's just mm-hmm. he's the worst, delightfully, delightfully terrible. Yeah. But there's uh, that great moment where uh, they're in the, the one of the nights at the clubs, and it's like we got a celebrity in the house, and you see him putting his hands stand up, getting yeah. ready to stand up, and then it's they're you know introducing the girl beside him, and she's not even paying attention. Like yeah. The whole room's clapping for her, and she doesn't He has know. to be like... Yeah. He has to be like, hey, they're clapping for her. He has to, yeah. like, swallow his own pride. He starts clapping. He's the, he's a grateful loser. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's also... It's just, like, that moment is such a great visual representation of that idea. It's like, mm-hmm. neither of them are kind of in the moment of who they actually are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And who he is, though, is a total fraud. Because if you, oh like, yeah, the because songs are so. I I love those songs. Yeah, they are uh, the, forgotten. They're the how, most Nashville Grand Ole Opry. Yeah, exactly. they're calculated yeah, to be yeah, applauded. Like the two hundred years song. Yeah, he, the film. Oh, he kills it too. Like so good. It's amazing. Yeah. And and I lo- I like three the, reasons, uh, three reasons, reasons the Charlie Bride kind of character. Yeah. He comes in, and then the guy calls him like Frog. the lightest. Yeah, and he's like, oh, we don't do that here. And then when he comes off the stage at the end, he's like, "Oh, you, something about you shouldn't be alive, mm. you know? Oh, they're, oh, I killed him for you. They'll be all all right." When he goes out on stage, he goes, "You shouldn't even be alive," mm. and he like walks out, and you're like, "It's there's like all these sidelines, super dark fissures." Like mm. you were kind of alluding mm-hmm. to that, these fissures in that society. Mm. And so that's always being that's like right underneath the surface of everything. Mm-hmm. It's real. It's it's like a super interesting movie, but it like it meanders. Oh, it meanders. It's the way I think is the best way to to view it is thinking of it as uh, a a very intimate concert film where you totally. get to know the people more than you ever should. Yeah, yeah. or <laughs> well, want I mean, to. The yeah. songs are fucking outstanding. Yeah, the songs are great. The performances Even the, are, and he lets each one live. From start to finish. Yeah. And, and it's kind of fucking amazing. Oh, and, yeah. and not only that, it's like there's sometimes where it's like 
You've got the, uh, the, the, the one that's fresh out of the hospital. Yeah. She has two songs in a row. Yeah. That you're just like, oh, you're going to do the whole thing. And then she starts the third one, and then she starts into her monologues. <laughs> yeah. Which is like, oh, this is worth it. Now it's yeah. worth it. Yeah. You, you, you set us up to be like, yeah. she is amazing. Yeah. You set us up, and man, oh, man, yeah. what, what a way. But Who even like... She? That's Ronnie Blakely. Ronnie Who's Blakely. Blakely. Uh, most people now, I guess, would know her as the mom in the first Nightmare on Elm Street. Like that was that was her next amazing. Role. She yeah. did, yeah. She's a singer though, you're right? Uh, well, mostly, yeah. Yeah. She and um, oh, who else? Sorry. Uh, there's one other actor in this who is primarily a singer. Um, Keith Harding? Not really. Oh. No, he was acting at the time. Yeah, I didn't know him as a singer. Sure, I can't remember. No, he doesn't. Did you know do that song? Uh, yeah, it I knew was the song. It was on the radio, right? Like, yeah, it was a radio. It, it, it was, was a, a radio hit. It was yeah, yeah, yeah. On, on the but I forgot until halfway through the movie. I knew Kara. Here's the thing. I knew. I remembered. I, I had glimpses of memories of this movie. Uh, I knew Kara, Keith Carradine was one of the lead characters. It wasn't until halfway through the movie I realized that that was Keith Carradine. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, when's Keith Carradine going to show up? I was like, oh, fuck, it's the Jesus looking guy. Yeah, he just disappears into the shots. I mean, he just oh, looks he's so, good. so natural yeah. in that movie. But then the other, I mean, the people that steal the movie from me are like are him, Tomlin. Yeah. That scene with Tomlin and her her children when she's yeah. signing for them breaks my fucking heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the third is the redhead. Yeah, yeah. And that scene Sweet. when she's booed off, and then they just yeah. like they talk her into going back, and you know you don't know exactly what they're talking or doing, but you know it's not good. Yeah. You know it's not to finish the fucking song. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. that's not what those guys want. They just yeah. boot her off for singing. No, they yeah. say really early on, you like they said you were gonna strip. Yeah. I missed that. Mm-hmm. Trout said that's like Trout. Yeah. Didn't Trout tell you you were gonna strip? It's like the first thing Beatty says. Oh, um, when she yeah, grabs, she grabs comes, her, she's she leaving. Out, yeah, yeah, yeah. Prior to that, you're like. And it's just but, yeah, but then she flips it on you, and she, you know, and the guys like asks her at the door. She's like, "I'm going to sing tomorrow at the Parthenon." Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. it's that. Uh, I mean, that's where some of the stuff of this movie is so prescient. But I, mm-hmm. I, and I love that mm-hmm. the, like, the the blonde wannabe is probably the best singer in the whole movie. Yeah, <laughs> no. and, and she's just given a random yeah. chance at the end. Yeah, sing "Save America" or yeah. whatever, whatever well, she's basically told. Yeah. That's the other thing that's prescient too. Like at this point, ten years after Kennedy, you're twelve, I guess. Yeah. You're watching a movie where the whole point of it is that. Americans are perfectly fine watching someone be shot in front of them as long as they get entertained. Like, that's yeah. Altman's point. Mm-hmm. And it, I think that's why the movie is so long and meandering, because you're seeing yeah. every texture of all of these people who we should be disgusted by in that moment. Mm-hmm. And then you realize, no, that's how they cope. That's like, we like them now, mm-hmm. so we have to be on their side when this happens. Mm-hmm. And it just lands like, like, I felt you tense up sitting next to me. Oh my God. It I lands was, like a Because it, it happens in a wide shot, too. And yeah, it's yeah. just like... You, you kind of know what's coming, but then it happens in oh, a way yeah. that it's so surprising. But it's been so, you know, deceptively easy and fun, and you're encouraged to kind of mock these people or kind of like these people. And, oh, you know. And also in parallel, there's the other thing of, of uh, uh, Henry Gibson's incredibly cynical Three Reasons song, which is just, I love that song yeah. so much. Mm. It's, oh, so, it's so terrible. So callow and manipulative. <laughs> but of course, it's also Tomlin's story. Yeah. So you can't like she's mirroring it. It's happening oh, to her yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, when she refuses mm. to stay because she's yeah. married with kids, and it's yeah. just like, oh, okay, that's why it works. Like that's yeah. why people like this stuff because on some level, the most, and I, I don't know that Robert Altman really likes country music. I kind of feel like this is how he regards it. 
This just this, like he probably what? doesn't like the war, and he made Mash. Yeah. You know? Well, Mash is like overtly commenting on the futility of, of yeah. fixing people up to send them out to battle again. But this movie is really like it's ambivalent about music, about country music. Right? Oh, up I until don't the know end. about that. I don't once agree. you once you show entire songs, yeah, and, and he awesome pays songs. like yeah, and and he oh, no, sh- I think he likes the I think he likes the musicianship and the yeah. professionalism, and I love the fact that whether it's because they're session musicians who just don't have any patience for what Henry Gibson is doing as an actor, or because they were told to do that, the backing band for him hates him. Yeah. <laughs> they hate him. He comes out and sings these awful songs about Mirka and yeah. on, on the stage at the Opry that one, that one in that first yeah. big concert yeah. scene they're like giving him side eye and they're looking down there's the one guy the guitar the bass guitarist is kind of just shaking his head <laughs> and it's just like oh this is what it's like this is what it's like yeah. he says this is the song that made me and it's just a song about get up and get on going and you know mm-hmm. the doctor says you're gonna get die he's go. a human too what does he know it's like Jesus Christ yeah. this is like a Ford Motor Company commercial yeah. I have yeah. a lot of these records all these Stuff. And, and, I, and I started collecting old old ones, and you know the, are they the, really the songs like are like that. You know, like, there's yeah. a whole song about a trucker who abandoned his son, and and then the, some one one day in the like the sixth verse, they end up meeting, <laughs> and he says something that he knows that his father only knew, and and it's like <laughs> isn't that boy so, so, I was like, go oh, get up and go. Yeah. <laughs> get up and go. That's what it's called. Amazing. Yeah. I know. My uncle's used to listen to all that stuff. Really? Yeah. It's amazing though because Nashville is still a place where it's like you're, it's you know it's a recording town, right? Yeah, uh, but it's, it's a professional it's, town. It's like yeah, and way cla- yeah, but it's just like it's still like it's then it's not all just country that's that's yeah. done there. Like that's the heart of it for sure, just because where it, it's located mm-hmm. in America. But but it's always been the company part of of country music. You know what I mean? Right. Like yeah. Have you seen Tales from the Tour Bus? Mike judges. No. He has a, he has two seasons of an amazing doc program that are basically like animated like King of the King of the Hill. Okay. Um, and the first season is all country music, and okay. half of them are there's 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 the big people like there's like the Tammy Wynettes and the George mm-hmm. Jones, but then the, the, when they get into Waylon Jennings and Willie Nelson and they like that whole that whole group of musicians was they were called the outlaws like right. outlaw music because they they did not conform anything that had a personal right. kind of vibe and not, didn't right. have the sheen of that kind of pedal steel sound and the strings was not allowed in Nashville until people like Willie Nelson and Willie Jennings kind yeah. of kicked the door open Shut and changed up. things. And right. You've got to imagine that town is just full of like some of the best musicians in the world whose names yeah. we'll never know. The, yeah. yeah, they're all writing yeah. songs for other people mostly. Yeah. You know? Or just performing, they're all yeah. studio musicians, yeah. right? Yeah. But they're yeah. the, the best yeah. in the world. Yeah. And they just make you wait know, for the phone call and be like, do the session. Oh, and I'm sure they make a shit ton of money <laughs> yeah. a day yeah. for like ten minutes of work, an hour worth of work every now and yeah. then. But it's like that's they're the only person that can do that for mm-hmm. in the time they can do it. In. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I feel as a, as a music fan, I felt like there was a lot of love in the yeah. the idea of like I think I think you're right in that song. It's cheesy, but I mean, but I, I, I like, I still feel like, but it was authentic. Like, it's authentically cheesy, yeah, and it yeah. kind of works in yeah, that, like that, that character. I think that was the thing because there was a, he had said something about people from Nashville not liking this movie when it came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no one wants to see themselves. Well, mm-hmm. also because he didn't, he didn't go to any Nashville musicians, mm-hmm. and they're oh. like, "Well, we should well. have been all through this movie." Oh, I and see. Then it turned out, like a couple of decades later, everyone this is a popular movie in Nashville. He was saying, "Well, now because yeah, yeah because it has that it is authentic, 
people thought that I think that he was trying to make fun of it, but he actually wasn't. He was more making a satire of America and using Nashville as the hub of that. Yeah. yeah. But I think the music part of it, you know, it, it, just showing that many songs yeah. in their entirety with, you know, the slow zooms into them and it being really intimate, you know, yeah. you're like, you gotta love this too. To no, well, you know, that, but to yeah, no, but to no point, I don't think he's necessarily like making, I don't think he makes a movie like this because he loves country music so much as he's fascinated no, he's, by no. this world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And, and it happens to have country music. Yeah, he's, and, yeah. but you know, he has that intimacy to the characters. And yeah, yeah I, he, I think he cares about the individual people, but he, yeah. like, well, I mean, he treats, I kept thinking like the, the, the constant political rhetoric that we're hearing in the yeah. background is just as empty and, and kind of calculated as a lot of the music is. Mm-hmm. So right. that's, I think that's his compare and contrast. Yeah. It's just the, these delivery well, systems that's, for, that's the thesis for the film is like, like that everything is politics. You know, if you think you yeah. don't know, Oh politics, God, they keep yeah. saying they're not this, into politics. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, this, 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 this whole system is a political system mm-hmm. like that we're about to watch, you know? I yeah. And they say that at the beginning, one yeah. of the, one of the, uh, speeches as they're driving around in the over the blowhorns is that it's like whether or not you like politics, you're yeah, part yeah, yeah. That's what yeah. whether yeah. you whether, whether you want to or not. Yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. the camera tilts up and shows you a, an old billboard for something that just says the bank. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's not subtle, <laughs> but yeah, he just he's constantly letting the letting these famous people kind of politely decline to get involved in things until they're told how big the audience will be or mm-hmm. how big the opportunity will be. Yeah. And yeah, Michael Murphy's just so good at kinda Michael Murphy's so good. Quietly so swanning good. around. Mm. Have you I, I know Norm has. Have you guys seen Tanner eighty eight? No, no. Oh, fuck. And then Tanner on Tanner. So he made with Michael Murphy playing a, a presidential hopeful, he made this movie called Tanner 88, which yeah. is... It's a PBS series. It ran for like, I think it's like six or eight episodes. Yeah, so Criterion oh, put it out as yeah. a box set. But they actually okay. ran him. They took him to primaries and had him show up. And he talks to Gary Hart. He right. talks to... Wow. Who else does he meet? He ran as a... Uh, it was vague about which party he was, but he's uh, he's constantly running into the Democrats. Yeah, it's a mockumentary. <laughs> yeah, and it's um, really something. And then he went back... 20, 30 years later, and did a and did a uh, a sequel doc a film like a follow up yeah Yeah. called Tanner on Tanner yeah and Tanner turns up in this uh, in the Scorsese film the Rolling Thunder review the about the Bob Dylan oh yeah really Murphy appears as a fictional character as Tanner and they just sort of insert him and talk about him going to see Dylan in Niagara (laughs) Falls it's really great Tanner eighty eight is a phenomenal yeah I forgot it was a series it's Altman yeah 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 written by Gary Trudeau uh, from Dunesbury. Wow, yeah, Cynthia weird. Nixon wow. plays his daughter. Oh, that's right. That was one of her first roles, right? Yeah. <laughs> Great. No, it's really good. It's dated horribly, obviously, like the, yeah. the clothes alone. But I haven't watched it I never mind that, though. I gotta yeah. admit. Like, I, oh, it's I, so I, I 80s. I love it. The world. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh, look at this. this but, it's also te- but it's textured <laughs> that way, too, even the way it's shot, because it's shot on like, video, right? Yeah, it was broadcast yeah. cameras. I mean, oh, no way. Like, texture okay. can look like documentary right and it works in Tanner it works in this too because you're seeing an era and I just like decided this time through just for my own amusement that Jeff Goldblum is like the doctor from Doctor Who I was just gonna bring up Jeff Goldblum doesn't have any dialogue just kind of wanders around I thought he was the younger version of the guy in what's the Coen Brothers movie where there's the Raising Arizona (laughs) (laughs) like the gentler gentler. but he also like he just at one point he just like disappears he interacts with literally everybody 
It feels yeah. like he was just sort of around-ish, and whenever he he was available, they just worked their way to work him. Well, yeah. What was with all, what was with the celebrity cameos that, yeah, anyway? Like the ones, like, was that just to kind of, yeah, yeah. I guess they were visiting Julie Christie. They were visiting. It feels yeah, like apparently yeah. like. Oh really? Gould and uh, Julie Christie were just going through town, and they were like, "Let's put you and in." And I was like, "Hey!" And he was like, well, "Hey, why'd you come in the movie for a second?" Yeah, yeah, of course I know, right, I know right, it. Is. Yeah, Mrs. Miller, why yeah. not just go yeah. visit yeah. and you become part of it? Yeah. yeah. But is it is it just to add sort of that idea of like the the sexiness of, of Nashville? Oh. Nashville, probably. Yeah, give a little layer of completely different sphere of celebrity that these people have no interaction. Yeah, right. That's true. That is cool. They're like, who is that? You're in a movie theater. You don't care about the music acts, but it's like I know that person. Yeah, yeah. And it just becomes about a movie star. Well, that's it. Like the whole like you get this sense really they are. Yeah, yeah. You get. I mean, they're because they're outside of it. They're the Hollywood stars. Where it's like all these people are. Around the rest of the country and the rest of the world, they're all famous to other people, mm-hmm. but they just get together every night at wherever everyone's getting together yeah. and play songs and drink and sleep with one another. And yeah. it's just this really in, incestuous community mm-hmm. that everyone else kind of, yeah, would see as like that's the, the, you know, just be part of that would be amazing. But for them, it's just another night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we're just dropped in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. With like the loosest of framing devices being this, you know, the build up to this the rally. The rally, yeah, yeah, that and never we, happens. Yeah, and we get to watch, you know, we get to watch people hook up, and we get to watch a trio disband, kind of without <laughs> acknowledging that it's the last time they're ever going to play together. At the very end, when yeah, yeah. Tom brings them up, and it's like, well, you that know, that song's amazing. Yeah, yeah. fuck, who is that woman? Uh, I think that's isn't that Christina Rains? I'm going to double check this because she had a really she weird career. One of my favorite parts. Yeah. Did she have a weird career? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mary Christina Reigns. She was, uh, she's in the Duelists, and she was yeah. the lead in the Sentinel. This just really expensive Universal horror movie in '77 that no one remembers now. Mm. Uh, it's this. It's awful. Uh, but it was one of those big all-star productions where they just took a bunch of... Because horror was big after The Omen. They just took right. a bunch of contract players and threw them all together. So it's a story of this brownstone in Brooklyn that overlooks something, and it's the portal to hell. Okay. And this young woman... It's Rosemary's Baby. Chris Baby. Sarandon. And, Chris uh, Sarandon. Oh, yeah, no, it's... Jose <laughs> Ferrer, Martin Balsam. Burgess Meredith. John Ava Carradine. Gardner. Yeah. She was young. She was beautiful. She was next. Eli Wallace. Yeah, <laughs> he kind of blows the ending. Um, yeah. But yeah, she's the lead, and she's not good. Like she's great in this because we only see her reactions and she doesn't have to deliver that much dialogue. She's right, angry, yeah. she leaves a room. Um but she I think she's better as a singer than she is as an actor, but yeah. Mm. She's also in the duelist and she was pretty good in that, I guess. Mm. Yeah. No one remembers. Her. I also I wanna hear your opinions on Shelley Duvall. Because I have very mixed feelings about how about Shelley Duvall and just in general or in the movie? Just in general. I find her a fascinating choice ever. And Always. she's in so many things in this era of films. And I'm like, I don't think you're terrible, but you're also not. It's just like there's a quality to you that. Oh, I see what you mean. It's <laughs> so magnetic, but also repellent at the same time. Well, she commits so hard mm-hmm. to whatever role she's doing for Altman, especially, I think. And here, like, she's just this. She's vacuous. She's not supposed to be anything except mm-hmm. just around. She's a groupie. Like she's mm-hmm. she's yeah. the only real groupie in the movie. Everybody else yeah. wants to uh, connect to someone for work purposes or for advancement or for mm-hmm. status. She just wants to sleep her way around. She yeah. does with everybody. Here she works for me because she kind of disappears into it. Mm-hmm. Like same the way that she really works in her her small part in Annie Hall. She's just like she feel, she or Popeye. 
Yeah, or Popeye. Like <laughs> Popeye, she's amazing yeah. in Popeye. Popeye's <laughs> probably the role <laughs> that makes the most sense. Her, yeah, that, yeah, that's I'll, perfect I'll for Altman. Altman, yeah. I actually watched that when I was a little kid, so I would have never thought that. But okay, yeah, that was yeah. definitely my first Altman film. <laughs> that was my first me too, Altman film for sure. Yeah, I watched uh, the same night I watched like, Thriller for the first time. I might have seen Nash first. Yeah, no, I watched a ton of Altman like near the end of my film school days in the beginning of because I was writing this. Uh, my, what became my first film was like a mockumentary and so I knew that and it was also kind of an ensemble and I was really into ensembles so right. you know I found Altman by way of Paul Thomas Anderson right. uh, and so watched a shit ton of Altman like in the early 2000s as I was getting ready to make this first film and just kind of like studying ensemble uh, for better or for worse and a lot of his stuff and I think I do remember I, I remember loving Shortcuts and and watching this and feeling probably the way you felt mm-hmm. a bit kind of frustrated with it. I'm glad I watched it in this context where I was forced to to watch it. And yeah, to watch it from beginning. You know, well, because it's it's one of those easy movies where it's like if you're by yourself, it's like I can check my email. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I can I can browse the web while this is happening yeah. in the background. Where, but it yeah. does have a, it does have a weird. I don't know. I, I wish I could sort of pinpoint where I kind of went into the next level. But it was probably maybe an hour and an an hour and a half in, where it just started to be like, oh, I'm just like surrendering to this movie. Yeah, and it it's just fucking amazing. Seems, like it's just. Well, it's the. I mean, I'm assuming it's like Barbara Jean's breakdown, right? Isn't that where it all sort of becomes real for the first yeah, time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Until yeah. then, it's yeah. kind of loose and fluffy. Yeah, and yeah. Well, that really makes you kind of sit up and go, ooh, there's something going on right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely this is not a late night movie. No, no. We were very <laughs> yeah. bold for watching this later at night. Yeah. I definitely think this is like a great. What I would call a great, like, rainy... Rainy afternoon Rainy movie. Sunday yeah. afternoon yeah. movie. Yeah. 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 But, but I love the comparison to Taxi Driver and that seeing it in that context because... Well, it's in the, the, the And also Shortcuts because Shortcuts, again, has that sort of, like, and bam, like, the, the, the earthquake happens and everyone's lives are kind of joined in this wor- world yeah. of violence. And this one obviously has the same kind of... It's sh- totally shocking to me, even though they set it up and you can see him and you go... But but what's happening to me as I saw him fiddling with the case is that my brain started racing back through the movie and the the little references to assassination and you know Shelley Duvall asking what's in your case and the like yeah. my I started seeing the setup of the whole movie towards violence mm-hmm. and 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 I'd never. I'd never thought about it, even though I was thinking about Taxi Driver when I was like, oh, it's just like a rally, just like Taxi Driver. It's it's really interesting to kind of how that... But but then, then exactly what you said, then it turned... I did not... It, it I've never seen such an act of violence then get melded into like, let's patch this up. Yeah, and it yeah. feel like you're watching a real, like a real reaction to, to, to like... To like a nine eleven or something like that, oh, yeah, where people yeah, can't yeah. cope, so all they do is kind of sing the song together and start clapping again, and yeah, like I, that, that felt on so on. Yeah, 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 so real and so horrifying and so like something I'd never seen in a movie. Um, that 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 that's why when it ends, it's like wow. Yeah, the ending's like, phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, phenomenal. yeah, yeah. It's just a catharsis that doesn't stop, and of course the lyrics are also what. Yeah. Uh, what the presidential candidates are talking, what what this specific candidate is talking about, yeah. what Walker has been saying. I was trying not to use his name because it's just it could be anybody. It's so generic, yeah. uh, but it doesn't matter. What well, no, it's actually it's based on someone whose name is very similar. It's really? like what, what is his name in the movie? Is Hal Hal Phillips Walker? Yeah, the guy's Hal actual Phillips. name is Phillips Walker something else. 
that they based it off. That was of. a candidate. There was another. Yeah, there was a third party candidate. Uh, this was the, this is what I got out of the Criterion book. Okay, uh, <laughs> I did not but, know this. And I was surprised by how close the name was. Right. But it's almost like I think they just basically gave him a new first name and then switched the other ones around. Switched the other ones around and then tagged on a new la- or took away the last name or something. Yeah. But it's very similar. Mm-hmm. What is the lyrics of the song? Oh, it's just um, you say I'm not free, but. Like that's it, right? It don't worry me. It don't worry me. It doesn't it do, like it, uh-huh. it's the but, opposite of I wish you could feel what it is to be free. Mm-hmm. And it's what he's been saying all along is that we're all part of the same system. We have to break it, we have to shatter it, you're not free. Yeah. And that's what the song at the end is. And that's so like I think Altman's intention is that this guy is gonna get like this is the moment that vaults that candidate into the presidency. Mm-hmm. Like, Which, this is the end of America. I almost wanna mm-hmm. see mm-hmm. like his, it's too bad he didn't make some kind of unofficial sequel to this where we get to see that America become, come into fruition. Because it's not... I mean, he's he's dancing around all these different subjects and all the musicians don't really give a shit what his politics are because they're going to... They just want to get on TV. Yeah. But there's it's when everyone's arriving at the rally, they go through this laundry list of all of his campaign promises and one is to like rewrite the national anthem. Yeah, the national yeah. anthem, get rid of all the lawyers in Congress. Yeah. That's part of the speech at the beginning too. He, yeah. yeah. He numbers, he counts the yeah, lawyers. Numbers. Yeah. It's like there are this many lawyers in Congress and it's like, this is how The Handmaid's Tale starts. Like, this guy has some serious ideas. It's like, we're recording this the day after a conservative candidate made a video. <laughs> Have you guys seen this yet? No, it's like a 30-second video clip of a conservative candidate out east saying, um, I just want to get elected. I have some ideas. I don't know if they're good. That's why I'm not going to tell anybody what they are. Oh. When I get elected, you'll find out what, with, we'll all find out if they're good ideas. I'm like, are you <laughs> fucking kidding me? But in a that's way, the conservative platform. In a way, that's yeah. the most honest politician yeah. ever. It's like, I don't know, maybe my ideas are shit, but I'd yeah. like to try them. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's just like so you that's, should just vote for me to let because they're the guy we don't like him. Yeah, that's mostly why. Yeah. At least yeah. Walker has rhetoric, right? I mean, he it sounds good when you say it. Some of the other yeah. things were, I thought I thought were good promises that he was yeah, saying. I mean, they, like, if they don't actually <laughs> specify anything, they all sound great. No, yeah. but I mean that Walker was was saying. There's a couple of them that I was like, oh, that actually. Well, that's the trick. Like, it's the, it's the, it's yeah, the, yeah, yeah. taxing the church oh, yeah, things and stuff. Yeah, that's the trick is to mix in the good with the crazy. Yeah. And people go, eh, and then it's a sliding scale of, well, which is which way is the one? Yeah, which one's the one? Yeah. Yeah. You want to hear like, like and I will boo for a flat tax just like the earth. And then yeah. you go, oh, 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 wow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have to give you my button back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's always that one sticking point where you're like, all this stuff is great, but you don't believe in this fundamental truth about the world? <laughs> yeah. It's science. Okay, oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. think we need to question science. I'm just asking questions that make me sound like an insane person. They always leave that part out. Yeah. Uh, so, final thoughts, Dev? Well, I don't, I, well, how come I have to start? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. The farthest away. Uh, final thoughts. You were watching two nights in a, not yeah, in a row, exactly. but in very yeah. short back. succession. Yeah. yeah. Did you examine it differently this time because you knew like it was so fresh in your mind? Yeah, you know, well... I started watching it for the sort of craft this time. Mm. So the first time I'm watching it, I'm watching, you know. And then, like in anything, I'll watch a couple of movies a few times and start to, like, apply, like, oh, you can do that, right. Uh, so a lot of it was, like, just hard cuts into scenes and out and how they they work. Like, as long as it's sort of pushing character or story forward, it works. It's It's a thing that... 
lately that I've been sort of coming across is that a lot of narratives have this exposition that puts the audience in front of the characters. Mm. So you know what's happening, and then the characters explain it, or another character explains it. So, so you're says, always don't like, do that. Because yeah, or you're saying, always like five minutes or something ahead because they feel like the audience doesn't get it. Mm-hmm. So then you come into a movie like this where you're always behind. You're always following. You're like, oh, okay, well, that guy went there, so I'm going to follow this. Yeah. yeah, and you're almost, and it takes you a while to go, how are these people even connected? Yeah, like, exactly. Mm. And so I, you know, I'm a sort of leaning in heavy into that idea that um, with the amount of narratives that are out there, how literate people that watch movies are, is that your your basic tenet is to take your narrative and put it behind your characters so that your characters discover something. So if it's a mystery, if it's something like this. And so a movie like this, from from that perspective, like dragged us along. And you were you were sort of finding it. It was seeping in the point. Yeah, yeah. And I kind of I, I sort of enjoy that. Plus, just uh, as the character starts singing and you go to it nowadays, you just sort of you'd flip. You'd yeah, probably go you go breakdown to breakdown. You know, mm-hmm. you tie in, you, and the way that they waited on that and then played another one, and it was a love song that went to a breakdown. I was like, okay, see, this is like these are the things that it's the next level of kind of thinking or or pushing something outside of what's to be expected. There's this thing that a friend used to say to me because there's this Walter Murch thing, and when we all came up editing, it was in the blink of an eye, and you're reading all this stuff. Hmm. And so I've been probably editing for close to a decade now, and so it's just starting to be that. So there's this thing about marking like the, the right edit. So mm-hmm. it was like, okay, you close your eyes and you kind of like hear it or watch it and you'll mark it. Then you'll back it up and you'll mark it. And if you hit the same point, mm-hmm. it is the right cut. Right. And so, and, and that holds true. But most of those cuts are temporal anyway. Like this is like a thing that you kind of go through is all the stuff that doesn't work, works a year from now. <laughs> so the stuff that you risk and try to do I learned in these types of movies, you know, every frame doesn't matter here. Like, it's yeah. real, moment to moment. It's the narrative and, oh, that guy kind of walks through here. We, we come into the middle of a conversation here. You don't know what the context is. There's no setup to it. Then you just bounce over to this and, oh, my God, that's Elliot Gould, you know? Yeah. And how that flips and moves sort of excites me as an editor because it frees you up again. You're like, oh, you know what? There's options. There's ways to go. And that merch thing is, I started thinking that, you know, that's the that's the moment to be expected. Mm-hmm. But what about three seconds after that? Or like a minute or frames after that? The one that's unexpected actually tilts the audience. Because if that's the one that you expect, that's the one that everybody in the audience mm-hmm. expects too. Mm-hmm. So you mm-hmm. can use that to your advantage by not doing that all the time. Yeah. By actually playing against it and pushing and putting people on edge and, and uneasy. And it's something that you end up trying to like cultivate to make instinct. It's interesting. I just like literally today yeah. I had uh, this sequence I was editing. Right. And uh, and I had uh, this piece of music underneath it and yeah. I had this like 
hit every cut to the beat yeah. in this really stylized way. Yeah. And then I changed the music, yeah. but I didn't line it up properly. Yeah. And I just threw it down by accident and then yeah. watched it and it was like, oh, this is no longer to the beats at all, but holy shit, it works in a way that's better. Well, sometimes it's, it's mm. funny because you get, I get asked to do that all the time. And I'm like, oh yeah, but you know what? If I slip in another piece of music, when that person's head turns, that's where the swell happens. And now the whole thing takes a different meaning. Mm. And that meaning being different might be really good. Or bad, yeah. So you end up wanting to just go, there's a great story about uh, Gone Girl. And the editor like put this piece of music uh, to all the credits. And the credits go really fast. They're like up and down in three seconds, not like the usual four or whatever. Uh, and they're coming on like this. And he had a piece of slow music going on it. So it sort of slowed down the timing. So they went into the mix and he came back and they turned, they decided to go with something a lot faster. And he was like, oh my God, this is going by way too fast. Okay, this is like, I don't know if this is going to work. And I remember seeing it in the theater going, wow, these are going by really fast. That's so cool. You can do that. So I, I think of all these things, like all these mistakes like technology of Zooms, you know? They come in because they're a technology and then they move out because they're a fad. But still... They work great in this. They work right. great. It's like, what would be negative in this is having like dollies in. Mm-hmm. Like having yeah. a slow, chunky Zoom that's sort of not quite making it gets there, you and know? I, and that's what's fascinating about like Paul Thomas Anderson being a protege of Altman is that he is the guy that does that. He's, he's the guy that does He's the, the dolly other. guy that, like, yeah. he's, he's very much... camera operator half the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, I think he would love to be able to be as loose and free as Altman, but yeah. he's but he's not. He's very, like, structured and technical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, so he's and like, do- the camera moves in like this, and he's always, like, moving it. And if he is using a Zoom, it's very labored and practiced, and yeah. he knows exactly. Well, and he might be used in an iris or something like yeah. that, like... Yeah, it's fascinating. Like you, yeah. like this, this movie just could not be made today, especially on the scale it's made. God. When you think about how many extras, how many oh, locations, yeah, no, they're taking over a city. Like, like you could make yeah. a movie like this if you made it for next to nothing. Yeah, and you're just playing and experimenting. Well, you know what? You can see extras looking at the camera all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I think works, that, and I'm it? like, you know what? It doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. And you're, like, you're always uh, like picking them out. Oh, geez, I should do something with that or. Can't use this take. You're like, it, it, it dawns on me every time I watch a movie that it doesn't matter as much as I think it does. But that's, and the energy matters more. Yeah, the, the quality of the film, the, the mistakes, the, the uncertainty, the thing that gives it life mm-hmm. is the thing that you try yeah. and actually cultivate more than perfection. I mean, and so that's what the world we're living in now is this idea of kind of like everything is like perfect. well controlled and, yeah. and we live in the world of like watching great, great films and there's tons of movies that are do this, but like that just the frame is so interesting and so yeah. perfect and so still or yeah. the camera move is so everything's precise. about precision mm-hmm. and, and yeah, there's something about this movie that makes you remember that it's like the, the rock and roll of it. Yeah. Well, it's about discovery. The feel can be yeah. a lot more important. And then it almost makes you go, oh, well, after this, I got to go watch, like, Killing of a Chinese Bookie to see something really ragged. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, and beautiful yeah. and stunning, you know? Yeah. And if, dirty. It, and, you know. The the eye contact actually worked. It just, it, they're looking at us. Like, it's yeah. a documentary. It's, it's real. It's happening. Right. They're, yeah, they're looking through the screen almost. It just has this weird... Yeah, magnetism. Like you're drawn to the people looking straight yeah. into the camera because they don't 
know they're in a movie or they do and it's still weird to them and yeah. and it just adds to the sense that we're watching real events even though you know that's Karen Black and I recognize yeah. Henry Gibson and all these people but yeah no it's just so instant and compelling and convincing I don't know that it ever works anywhere else I can't think of another movie where that that level of like fourth wall breaking isn't intentional yeah and serves a purpose yeah. uh, I just saw something where some child actors are following an actor up a hill and one kid just keeps turning and looking at the camera and it's like Use another take. That's yeah. it's like, right. Yeah, it's too early in the film. It's jarring, and here yeah. it's like grown people are looking right at me. It's, it's yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about you, Stephen? Final thoughts. I mean, just just to elaborate on what Dev said, that that like it occurs to me that w- f- control is a kind of is about fear. Control yeah. is about also like not like impressing someone or not or, or not making a mistake. Yeah, and and the more I don't know, I feel like. When you talk about fads, when you talk about yeah. time like forty years ago, and yeah. and it makes me think a lot about when where we are now, because I'm 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 a neophyte filmmaker trying to learn and write things and trying to read things about writing things, yeah. and 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 it's so much of that, of course, is going to be about giving you advice on kind of like what must happen, and and I think also because we live in such a kind of um, the world of of of, of like peak television, yeah, T- television is so much about like. This happens. This happens. We're gonna get you back at the end of the episode. This is gonna happen Absolutely. and get you back. Yeah. And everything's about sort of like continually needing the next hit of the product. I mean, we even call it fucking content. You know, yeah. what I mean? like yeah. content creators. Like, yeah. like what? What are we filling? And and this doesn't feel like it's filling any fucking. No. It doesn't yeah. feel like it's fulfilling any requirement at all. And it feels like, in a weird way, what it's doing is is not in a weird way, but like it's it's really trusting the medium it's really yeah. trusting the audience it's really trusting the actors it's trusting the nature of collaboration yeah. on set with the music and also the collaboration with us as an audience to kind of go here's gonna give you a whole bunch of stuff like decide where you want to look and what you feel is yeah. important and then we'll see how it gathers together yeah. and 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 he brings it towards a masterful ending but yeah, it's, it is. It, it does make me think about kind of where we are in cinema history and how we're influenced by television and, and why we live in a world where everyone is talking about like the ultimate control and frame because of what computers give us. And I wonder if it's going to sort of explode the other way. I, I know there's tons already. Of movies, I, like, yeah, it's happening. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think yeah. it's because so many. Like, if I. I was at a, you know, you're at a facility and, you know, there's different types of filmmakers and some of the people that are coming out of, like, film schools now, they're doing what I did before, which is, like, take a 68, like, I mean, I shouldn't say this because, um, <laughs> the place steal the camera. Yeah. yeah, but <laughs> in Calgary, where I, where I grew up, like, I would take a camera and, and, you know, one of those little 16 Bolexes and, you know file down the shutter to like open it up to get more light leaks in and just sort of like duct tape the side so it wouldn't close and like shoot hand like try and crank it so that it and my goal wasn't to get it to 24 it was like oh maybe 28 maybe 16 like didn't matter just to see what happened yeah and it would create these things and i remember you know i would do I remember getting this William F. White camera. They gave it to me for free because it was like a museum piece because the guy, like Harryhausen, 
used to use those types of cameras and they're beasts, mm-hmm. you know, and I would uh, figure out how to load it and then I'd shoot. And, you know, at this time you still had the digital stuff so you could, you could mat it and you know, yeah. run live action and stop motion up top. But I wanted to do it all in camera and see if you can do it. So I see all these, you know, film school people going and taking cameras and going away analog because they want to figure out, they want to get intimate with the device hmm. um and i think that's so where it's coming back i think i i don't it's not so much that analog is coming back but the but concept that, of it yeah that that way of thinking that mm-hmm. that you know if you have a phone and it the technology isn't about the like gemini or whatever and look it's got 8k it's really about okay what if i put this camera with like old s4s and see what that looks like, and then go into the color grade. Like, I was watching Traffic. It is so aggressive, that color grade. Oh, the color, well, it's color coding, right? It's telling you Oh, yeah, it's like, and then the, you know, it's... blues in Washington, and the the, the orange in Mexico. And, yeah, Mexico has got so much grade on it, sometimes you can't even see their faces. They're just flat. Yeah, but but Soderbergh is one of those guys that likes to play. Oh, yeah, he'll do, well, uh, even a high-flying bird... You're just seeing, you're just going, he's shooting with like a 14 mil lens or something on a phone or whatever. Mm. And again, it's still, wow, he's shooting the city like it matters. Yeah. Like there's this small figure with this expansive city and corporate value and everything. And the frame means something on this other thing. So it's, it's really about uh, taking care. (laughs) And when I see this movie, there's so much care yeah. in it. Like the zoom holes for forever. Yeah. And there are no like, there are no reaction shots. And everything has hours. to work. It's all just conversation. Yeah. 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 True. And there's every no every shot ways. has to work yeah. in here. You know, like the actor has to be like on because they're getting a four minute take. You know, yeah, but they also don't know if it's ever going to be ever see the light of day. So that pressure's gone. Yeah, you know that's what's yeah. kind of beautiful. It feels about very it. process oriented, right? Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, you know, that's, so they they're, they're able to be free and be really authentic because yeah. oh, who knows if fucking Roberts ever going to use this? Yeah, right. You know, it's <laughs> just like they're all just like they don't know. Yeah, you know, he's figuring out as he goes along. He's making this shit up as he goes. Yeah, but that's kind of the the beautiful freedom of, of a movie like this it, it's exciting for me and I didn't even think about this going into tonight and watching this movie tonight but I'm like embarking on this very experimental project potentially this spring if the schedules line up for people but it's very similar to this in that sense it's like we're just going to be shooting 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 stuff and I'm going to kind of find I have a plan going into it yeah. but a lot of it's going to be about discovery and playing with like Knowing this could be an utter failure, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, and that's the first time I've ever done that because I because I'm because I am getting to the point where so you're talking about I feel like I'm structuring myself too much, yeah, and I'm forcing myself to like have all these rigid confines, and I want to do something where I just go find it. Can I rely on my skills that I've amassed over these you know this time I've spent being a professional, yeah, and and see what comes out of that. As yeah. opposed mm-hmm. to just like trying to be as rigid as as possible, so we'll see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it was exciting to revisit this and think about it that way. That it's like it's good. I think it is good to kind of go back and shake some shake some cobwebs out. Yeah, yeah. Feels and like an enormous like, trust in yeah. this movie, like in everything, in the collaboration, and in the in the audience, and in the idea that it will hold, and yeah. and and the theme will kind of emerge. Yeah, 
Yeah. No, he had ideas coming into it for sure. I think he, no, sure, sure, but it it feels like he's the he just had ideas. He didn't have the plan, which is I think these days what a lot of people think that they have to have. Yeah, I think you still need to have like your core theme, your core like concept. What is this about? Mm-hmm. But then knowing that because that also just, of discovery going through it. Yeah, and that mm-hmm. also just helps you weed out. We'd out from being monotonous, too, to go, oh, well, this is a great conversation, but it would never fit because it has literally nothing to do with the yeah. theme. Yeah. So. Well, this movie it. would never be made if you waited some, for someone to sit in a room and come up with it. But that's what's it's happening really now. Yeah. Well, there was a lot of like the bad versions of this movie that would be made yeah. now by film students that are just like, let's just shoot a bunch of stuff and we'll figure it out in any room. If they don't walk in with any kind of theme or like bigger thing to say yeah. and that's when you get these monotonous movies that you're like you, what, what was the point of that well because yeah. they don't grow yeah like I mean what ends up happening is by virtue of being unprepared they each seed repeats itself and yeah. you can start to see the, the repetition in the form and so the narrative actually doesn't progress it just feeds back on itself scene by scene by scene and it's exposition and things rotate rather than they kind of morph and grow. Mm. Yeah, I mean, um, Altman made those movies too, right? Yeah, he did. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Towards well, the, you take these yeah. risks. You're going to make, you got you risk failure, you're going to fail a couple of yeah, times. Yeah, like Kansas City, yeah. Cookie's Fortune, Dr. T yeah. and the Women, the stuff that he made just to have a movie going yeah. in a given year. And you can always tell when he went in without a plan. Yeah. Or at least an idea, like a galvanizing idea. And sometimes it's just like, I really like these actors and I want to goof around with them. Yeah. And that's fine. Glenn Close yeah. does like literally everything in Cookie's Fortune it just doesn't yeah. work in the yeah. larger right. film yeah. but you can always feel like he's playful or he's experimental mm-hmm. or sometimes he's just killing time mm-hmm. because this conversation was something he fell in love with and he couldn't figure out a way yeah. not to have it in the movie Yeah, but when he's on like when it all fits together yeah. Yeah. like it's just I, I say this on your show all the time but I would have loved to have seen this with an audience in 75 who had no idea what was coming mm-hmm. yeah. like how do you digest this because at the time he'd made, he'd worked in, you know, he'd made his war comedy and he'd made his detective movie and he'd made Thieves Like Us, the Depression era thing that nobody remembers, but it's actually pretty good. Uh, and, and McCabe and Mrs. Miller and yeah. Bruce McCall. He, this from him at, in 1975, there was no Robert Altman movie. Mm-hmm. Then this yeah. happens and we now know what it is. Altman-esque, yeah. 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 McCabe's right. great. McCabe's but, great though. Yeah. But this is such a yeah. different animal right like yeah, gonna, it's totally if you're gonna animal. watch people just kind of fart around for two hours before it starts to make sense yeah and it works and it you just like what how would an audience have taken it then but he's like he's always like even like you know his detective movie is like the most Pretty. anti-detective movie oh, I, yeah in the world. no i love it but yeah. and but, even like the end of mccabe yeah was something he just made up on the spot because they had a storm Mm. Yeah, they just kind of used it. Yeah, you know, it's, it's and that, and then few people other than Altman would just go, "Hey, let's try." Yeah, but here like, the cameras are here. In terms of going in with a, a, a an investigation, McCabe, this movie, and Shortcuts are all like microcosmic kind of looks at America yeah, they're, they're, and yeah. at, at different periods and what 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 is being sacrificed and, mm. and what's at stake. And and I think that's why those three movies for me. Are the ones that that I'll that to me are Altman esque in the best yeah. sense because it feels like they're about his sadness. Yeah, yeah. and the player, the player too. Well, I was the, the, say, like, the player, yeah, the player, the player is Hollywood. So I think in a way it's more fun and more niche. Sure, yeah. and he's he's kicking around a formal idea a little bit more yeah. than. But it's interesting because it ties into 
Because when I watch this, I I still think of like Hal Ashby and being mm-hmm. there and coming home and stuff like that. Like, there's there's stuff in the satirical aspect of the film, uh, sort of political satire, that ties to that period too. Mm-hmm. A lot of other filmmakers kind of touching that in really great ways too. Because like you were mentioning Taxi Driver, which is super interesting that on the assassination thing political satire like you know i think of like chance is this guy like you know mm-hmm. um anyway yeah i was thinking actually you you said that there isn't a direct or, or spiritual sequel i think the player maybe takes place in the same universe as nashville oh i yeah i believe that yeah they're just yeah. equally cynical about their chosen thing and right they're both pumping out stuff that no one necessarily believes in and everybody gets warned, and like Richard E. Grant's idea for the Japanese lanterns or Chinese mm. lanterns of the thing that turns into nothing at the end. And mm-hmm. you know, the movie tested badly. We threw out the hat, the sad ending, and we you know, Bruce yeah. was saved. The <laughs> traffic was a bitch. Yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah. that whole cynicism of it kind of plays off in Nashville as well, where it's just this is where we are, and it sucks. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The cultural moment. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think you're right. That's I mean, you're right. And the, but the form of this one is like docudrama, concert film, and yeah. that one is like actually. The hard-boiled detective Slick. story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but that is, that's about yeah. Hollywood to a fits, right? Yeah, where it's like you know, yeah, it becomes not, a genre film. Yeah, not yeah. to say that like you know, country music is is akin to jazz and that it's more free form, but there is music does have a bit more of a a flow that, mm, that yeah. allows for a form like this where movies want to feel more formatted. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Yeah. On that note, yeah. Well, thanks for talking about the last one. Though, <laughs> in your advice, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson was a little more wild in. Yeah, that's true. Oh, that's that fair. Was, that was the only one. I was thinking, like, as you were saying that, I was like, there is one. It's not Punch Drunk Love. I'm like, what is it? And it was like, in your advice, in your advice was like, next black hole. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely his message. His most Altman-esque. Yeah, yeah, you're right, 100. percent Oh, you were saying it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that one has the best exposition scene I've ever seen, which is like when short scene or the no, it's Benicio del Toro. They put the whole like boat and everything, explain the whole mystery of the movie. On Del Toro, and I'm like, this is a good way of doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Put it on a super cool actor and let him just talk nonsense, just all exposition yeah. for like four minutes. And just just like, get it all out. Yeah. yeah. Sitting yeah. in like a diner or something yeah. like and that. I'm like, this is a really great way of doing this. Yeah, <laughs> and it makes no more sense when it's over than when it started. Totally. <laughs> That's the best part. You you sit there going, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then it just evaporates. <laughs> yeah. That's Amazing. a good one to watch. Amazing. Good one. Yeah. yeah. Next time. Next time. Mm-hmm. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Amen. Not at all. Let's all go to the. Lab. Thanks for joining us for Nashville. Black Hole Films is a proud member of the That Shelf Podcast Network. You can listen to other episodes of our show and other That Shelf podcasts on thatshelf.com. Please subscribe, leave comments, spread the word, do all the things that let others know you like the show and how they can check it out. You can find me on Twitter at Lon Jeremy and go to Facebook and join the group Black Hole Films. And until next time, go watch something you've never seen before. Thanks. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a